0: Welcome to The Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if
1: you know what we mean.
0: I'm Vero and I'm Lena, and this is Season 6.
1: Today we're talking about episode 6, a lot dirtier than that, and sadly the title is much more entertaining and funny than the actual real story of the episode that is very much real life and... Painful.
0: Right? You would expect it to be very dirty.
1: Raunchy. I was expecting raunchy sex jokes.
0: Right? Especially with Lucifer.
1: Especially with the whole stripper in the box joke at the party and everything, but mm. no.
0: Mm-hmm. But as I put
1: it in my summary, Two episodes are happening in one. One storyline continues our Lucifer-Rory dynamic with jokes and feelings. The other brings us back to the topic of racism within the police as we join Amenadiel on his very first day as a beat cop. And to me, these truly and honestly are two separate episodes. I fully understand that we could not have the Amenadiel storyline without the meta plot of the season. But there was zero connection between the two halves of the episode. And that, to me, is actually the only thing I didn't like about this episode.
0: I feel like it was done surprisingly well, considering it was well enough balanced for me that I didn't suffer too much, you know? It didn't feel like I've been taken out of the story. It wasn't
1: a hardship, but I would have enjoyed it probably more if it hadn't felt like two completely separate things. On the other hand Amenadiel currently is living a very separate life from Lucifer so it makes sense.
0: It's just I wouldn't be me if I didn't find anything that I didn't like. Well uh, speaking of Lucifer before we fully emerge ourselves into that fun bit let's talk about his obsession of the week. I have said it's overcompensation.
1: I have making up for lost time.
0: Yeah, I say this is the same thing. I'm okay with that. Good, finally. Which
1: gives us two out of six, which, spoiler, is the same as Lucifer. But let's get into the facts and Fans this time. We have our usual three. Sixth time director Claudia Yarmy. Previous episode was Diabla. This is her last episode. Sixteenth time writer Ildi Modrowicz. Previous episode was A Chance at a Happy Ending. One more to come. The title is set by Officer Harris putting Lucifer at 2 out of 6 episodes and keeping me still in the running with my prediction of 3 titles out of 10
0: episodes. I'm getting very nervous about that. We'll see what happens. If I lose, you must lose as well.
1: As for the other bits and pieces that we usually have in this, let's go with two fun facts from imdb number one being lucifer always mentions that bones is his favorite tv show throughout the series patricia belcher the actress who plays loretta was in 55 episodes of bones lucifer tells rory that his car is a 1962 corvette stingray the stingray was not produced until 1963 so either he's lying or he got the only one that got made early which i mean lucifer being lucifer it actually wouldn't be that surprising, right?
0: Yeah, I'm actually okay with that.
1: So, overall, this episode has, I think, a 7.1 rating or something, which is lowish for a Lucifer episode. So, I, of course, went into the reviews and checked it out. And the reviews are mostly either ones, fives, or tens. Because the ones, and I'm paraphrasing here evil lip from Netflix ruined the show by being woke at PC, and also a few, no more singing, please. The five stars. Bad writing, don't ruin my escapism, skip this episode, hate the emo daughter. And the tense, great writing, important to bring problems to a wider audience. So much happens in one episode. So it's not surprising there are people who don't want their nice little fantasy world and more importantly they're not that problematic real everyday life when it comes to police brutality and racism because they are white not be disturbed by the actual problem and mention that that is actually a thing, that this is not just happening in fiction, that this is a real-world issue. And so they are complaining on IMDb and other pages. I mean, Reddit obviously also was full of complaints on that. Do yourself a favor, don't read the comments, don't read the reviews on this episode because it's just going to make you angry. I did it for you, so you don't have to.
0: Thank you. I was angry enough watching the episode. Thank you very much. So, yeah. This concludes the facts and funds for this time. Okay. I'm getting worked up about this episode already. But before we actually get into the meat of it, it is time for Previously on Lucifer. Dan died and now is a ghost. Only Celestials can see him. Maze has parental issues. Lucifer and Chloe have a daughter that popped over from the future and says Lucy was an absentee father. Chloe quit her job as a detective. Ella is starting to figure out the supernatural and Ames decided to be a cop to make the world a better place for his son. I
1: forgot about Charlie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why he's doing it. Yeah, right. I completely blanked on that. Oh, wow. So... Uh, Speaking of a mini-deal, we are starting the episode with his face and his first day. And we are entering the patrol car with a song that is called Troublemaker by Devon Gilfillian. And I'm gonna
1: use this opportunity to get it out of my system so I don't have to complain about it the entire rest of the episode. I am so annoyed by Dan. By Amenadiel talking to a ghost when he is in the company of someone else. By Dan popping up and surprising people and causing Amenadiel to be startled or something. I hate everything about this. I will not keep commenting on this for the rest of the episode, but I hate it. I get that Dan is bored out of his mind. I understand that his options are extremely limited it is absolutely not in character for me that he would potentially fuck with amenadiel on his first day without talking to him about it first because he knows how important this first day is so he would not potentially endanger the first impression amenadiel does on his first day so i hate everything about anything relating to ghost dan and the jokes and laughs and everything that we that we are going to see with this but i will not comment on this in the future
0: i i have a very similar note there is Many issues with Dan. This episode, I don't love the way he is dealing with it. I get that he is lonely, but also uh, we have tried to figure out why Emily deal is so shit at actually, you know, realizing and dealing with the fact that there is a ghost. So I'm gonna embrace the fact that Dan is trying to deal with this and she still doesn't have it really down how to behave like a ghost and how to make sure that these situations don't happen. And I'm gonna also embrace the fact that I'm has never dealt with a ghost before and this is why he's so terrible at dealing with it. With that, I'm gonna leave it as well. I'm gonna point out one more thing a little bit later on but that's more about the technical side of the thing. But uh, the rest of it, this is shit for everybody and I hope that it's not gonna keep happening in the future episodes.
1: So, for this scene in general I was surprised that Amanda DL apparently has Sonia as a proper partner now? Because this is his first actual day so does this mean they're actual partners
0: well maybe harris saw the potential that eminodeal is bringing and she asked for him as a as her partner
1: maybe i don't really understand how most of these things work so i was a bit confused also i absolutely have to point out i'm pretty sure this is the earliest title drop in the entire show
0: that was very fast that was like 30 seconds in a bit
1: over one minute because we have so much music in the beginning before we get into the car blame the music I have timestamps that's why <laughs>
0: Well, I personally very much appreciated Harris in this scene. She was very funny with the whole coffees and everything. It's a bit of a roller coaster with her, this episode, as it was meant to be, I think. If you don't really know where this is going and where it's going to end up.
1: What are you doing listening to us? Go watch the entire episode and then come back. Obviously,
0: but also definitely come back, please, because our opinions are extremely important, especially on this topic, because we're two white people who are going to be talking about this.
1: Sometimes I really, really love us. Most of the times I just want to strangle you, but sometimes I really, really love us. Yeah, well, anyway... Alright. No, she she has ups and downs in this episode with her frustration, motivation and ability to communicate.
0: Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, her sharing is not on the top-notch level just yet. I think it gets better over the time of the episode, but right now... And it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. She's treating Ames as a rookie, and that is what he is. And she has no reason to trust him right now. She has had one experience with him. She's gonna see how it all the develops. So at this point of the episode, I'm fully on Team Sonia. In this first scene, same. Now, let's move on from this scene because there are gonna be more opportunities to pick on this. And we go to Linda and it seems like we're in therapy. Yes, we are. Which is a very nice and refreshing because Linda is actually, for the first time in a bunch of episodes, she's actually focusing on Lucifer instead of going through her fucking notes.
1: She's actually doing her job for once and it's been a while, so it's a nice change. Sadly, Lucifer is still looking for reasons as to why he abandons Rory. And I was pretty sure we have already moved past that. When he went to see Maze at the end of the last episode, and she gives him the advice to listen what Rory wants or to think about what Rory needs. And then Linda gives him the same advice. I was like, so why the... Three steps back. We're in fucking season six. I am past Lucifer reverting back to old habits.
0: I mean, unfortunately, that is going to happen a few times during this episode again. But yes, I think that he saw the advice, became Lucifer, disregarded (laughs) the advice, and went to Linda. And then Linda says the same thing as Maze did, and... Now he feels like he needs to compensate. And this is the beginning of the circle that he gets into. And that at the beginning is kind of charming. You know what? The whole time I kind of know where he's coming from. And it is sweet, but he is not addressing the issue head on.
1: He means well, and that is never the same thing as doing good.
0: Yes, he means well, period.
1: We have a saying in German that is, gut gemeint ist nicht gut gemacht. Meaning well is not done well.
0: I'm pretty sure we have something similar in Czech, but I am too lazy to think of it. However, I... Love that Linda is bringing him and trying to get him to focus on present. On the fact that Rory is there now and what he can do about it. And of course he's not taking it in just yet. But he gets there at the end. As per usual. We kind of end this scene in with my notes on the general oh, fucking time travel thing. Which I appreciate it.
1: Agree, agree, agree. It was very obvious to me that Lucifer was gonna focus on exactly the wrong thing Linda said because that is still a shtick. The one thing I did find annoying is why does everybody find it so surprising that Mace gives good advice or that Mace and Linda happen to give the same good advice?
0: I think it's just because Mace usually tackles all the problems from a very different side than Linda
1: would. She has grown so much especially since she started dating Eve and being engaged to Eve and especially this topic is something that she has a lot of personal experience with with her shit stain of her mother and Linda having had a daughter who she gave up for adoption and then later reconnected with and Mace having had the non-relationship with Lilith. It kind of makes sense that even though the both of them are coming from different sides on the same topic, their very, very good, valid advice is the same. So I was not a fan that Lucifer, Linda and Rory are all like, hmm. Weird? No.
0: My mace has grown. You know what, though? I will say the fact that Lucifer and Linda are surprised by it, I can get behind because she has been working on it for a while, but she has just gotten to the point where she is finally accepting herself and everything. However, the fact that Rory, who only knows her after, does the same thing, that is consistent with what you're saying.
1: Fair enough. Yes. So I'm just unhappy with Rory's reaction then.
0: Even though I love her. Okay, well, speaking of Rory, uh, we get back to her and Chloe's in the next scene.
1: Such a nice transition with the door closing and then the other door
0: opening. When one door closes, the other one opens. (sighs) No. Yes, shut up. But it's just such a weird thing with the time travel and everything that this means... I have so many questions about Trixie now. Because this means that at one point, is it now or is it in the future, Trixie will have to know that there are celestials they can't keep it away from her because her sister is a half-angel. Yeah, Trixie will learn. Or does she already know and just already accepted it because her really good friend is Mace? I
1: don't think that she knows knows. I would not be surprised if she suspects. But unlike Ella, she is extremely chill about the whole thing.
0: She's like when you say something about yourself and everybody's like oh I'm not surprised she's gonna be like that about everybody else it's gonna be like oh yeah that makes absolute sense and
1: Ella is the oh you just had a coming out and now we need to make a rainbow
0: cake and go to parties and do this and support this and you're just like fuck off (laughs) Yeah, but also then I have a lot of questions about Rory, because even if they try to keep it away from Trixie, would that mean that Rory is aging the same way as Trixie is aging? Does that mean that her life is going to be cut short, essentially, as a human life? Because that doesn't even make sense, because she's half angel, so that must somehow affect her growing up
1: we don't have any information as to how the aging process of half angels work especially since charlie seems to be a vanilla human so even though he is half angel because his father is an angel. He himself seems to be fully human, but with Lucifer and Chloe, she has wings, she can fly, so she is an angel. So does that mean she came into her wings later? Like a Deal was like, oh, maybe Charlie still is going to get his wings. So did they grow up together? Is there like a point where they stop aging and then you're just kept in your prime or who knows? But we don't know. So all of these questions we're gonna have to shelf and see what gets answered. And all of those that don't get answered we're gonna have to put in our list. So we opened the door to Trixie's room and my first question was, so where is Trixie then? How convenient that she isn't there. And then it's even more convenient because she's at science camp for the summer. So I assume we will not get any Trixie in this season. Boo! And as far as I'm aware, the actress had, like, so many other engagements and, like, great work opportunities. So I get it. But it's still a shame.
0: She was playing a superhero at one point at some kids movie, I believe. So all the power to
1: Scarlett Estevez. Yay. But we miss Trixie as a character. So boo. Also, the lighting in this scene makes Rory even more beautiful than she is. And I was very obsessed in this scene. I was very, like...
0: Why is she so pretty? Makeup on point. Hair on point. Clothes on point. Ugh. God, her hair is so amazing in this scene.
1: Yes, I know. Everything is perfect. I'm obsessed.
0: Yes, you are. However, she has the perfect bitch face as well. Oh my god, yes. I'm sorry. Resting mean face, as we have established in the previous episodes. She has the perfect resting mean face. And she gets a phone call from Lucifer. Who has she saved on her phone as... The devil with the emojis surrounded. it. Perfect. And I love that she just answered it. What do you want? It's so on brand. I love that she answers at all, but she's very hostile on the phone.
1: I mean, she only answers because Chloe asks her.
0: Yeah, but also I think that one of the reasons, I'm not saying that's the only reason or even if it's a conscious reason, but I believe that one of the reasons she came back in time is to figure out what happened and get to know her father a little bit. So, uh, I think she wants this.
1: I think she doesn't really know what she wants because while I have an absolute hard time placing her age-wise, I mean, she later on knows how to drive.
0: But they learn how to drive at 16 in America.
1: Yeah, so she is at least 16 because she already is a very good driver, so she probably has driven at least for a while. So, let's say she's at least 17. And even if she is, like, 27, even at 27, do you really know what you want when you come from a situation like that? I don't think so. No. So, one last thing for me in this scene. Rory takes a lot of care to ensure Chloe that she was an amazing mother and that she did everything right and everything was great and blah 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 if chloe was such an amazing mother rory should be at least slightly better adjusted to the whole growing up without a father and harbor not this ginormous amount of resentment against
0: lucifer especially because i don't think that whatever happened chloe would talk shit about lucifer
1: no as far as we know she simply never explained it so the amount of resentment rory has for the absentee lucifer tells me that pretty sure chloe was a great mom but she was not the failureless perfection mother that rory paints her as so
0: skeptical lena skeptical same (sighs) but now we finally go to the fun part of the episode we go to the real world
1: part of the episode and we get a proper crime scene which it has been a while so
0: sorry but i kind of missed this (laughs) I know, it's weird to say. Detective Amenadiel is back with all the bells and whistles. Very excited for the first about 20 seconds. And then he starts detecting. And then Raven shows up. Yeah, we see the lead detective on the case and I got angry. And just in case you haven't remembered this fucked what's face, we do get the flashback.
1: Which makes sense, because season four has been a while.
0: See, this is exactly a moment where you need a flashback, because he was a minor character, he was around for about 10 seconds, it was upsetting, but it was also two seasons ago.
1: I would not have recognized him without a flashback, I think. Like, of course, with the context, I would have remembered him, but face-wise, I would not have remembered him.
0: So thank you. This is how flashbacks are fucking done. We don't need a flashback for something that happened at the beginning of an episode. But we have already complained about that.
1: Of course, Raven doesn't apparently recognize Amenadiel. I'm pretty sure he actually doesn't recognize him and only later on realizes who Amenadiel was. And then we get our title card with a very unhappy Amenadiel being shown right before it cuts to the title card.
0: This is where my cursing in my notes starts. Uh... Shit, it's the racist arsehole, of course, twat, what a fucking dick. God, I hate him so much. Gross.
1: I was much more efficient. Racist cop is still an asshole.
0: Yeah, I, I I felt more things flowing through. It was creative juices just coming out, insults left and right. God, I hate him so much. The last
1: point I have for this scene is we get the conversation between Amenadiel and Sonia. And I feel like I understand where she's coming from. But I also see what they're doing in the episode. Because basically she is the one who has seen all of this, experienced all of this. All her life, not just her police life, but probably already is... A youngster. And then she stepped over onto the other side into the police work. And then she was just even more privy to it. And so I get that she has a very keep your head down. Make sure that you get where you want to go because this will fuck your career etc etc. But also on the other side we have Amenadiel who only with Caleb had his first experience with racism. Which is like Amenadiel really never seems to have visited Earth. So curious. So he is very very new to the whole concept and he is still very much the I see injustice and I need to address it and I need to fix it. He is not yet burnt out by the fight.
0: I would like to point out that I held myself back and did not quote Hamilton. Why do you do this to yourself? Let it go. (laughs) That's not Hamilton. That's Encanto. No that's actually Frozen and it was made fun of in Encanto. I haven't seen Frozen so I can't quote Frozen.
1: Girl we sang so many songs at the table. My God, okay, this is more le misérable. We sang so many songs at the meet and greet table that there is absolutely no reason for you to hold yourself back whenever you feel the need to break into song.
0: Anyway, to me, at this moment, I was getting really upset with Sonia because it feels like she's telling him, do nothing. This is what he's hearing. And obviously, he doesn't like that because, as you said, he has all the passion. He has all the fire lit within him, so it would not be believable for him to let this go. And I love that his solution is to go to Ella, to revisit the relationship that he has created already. It's smart, in my opinion. It's one of
1: the best things Amenadiel could do in this moment, because he has someone on the inside with
0: him. Yeah, so kudos to Amenadiel, and I was very upset with Sonia at this point, because it just felt wrong.
1: I could not be upset with her, because she clearly has done this job for decades. So once you start fighting for something or if you are part of a group that experiences certain organization or oppression or anything, it is very tiring. And at some points either you take enough breaks if you can and sadly most of those things you can't take breaks from. And in the queer community some are passing so it's easier to take a break because if you're basically, if you're straight passing or if you're head passing or if you're cis passing rather. You can take breaks, but you can't take a break from your skin color and the reaction of society to it. So I understand that she's burned out. Because if I wasn't able to take breaks from my things that I try to be engaging with and fighting for, I would be burned out. And I have the luxury of being able to take breaks. So I had no I had no space to be angry or upset with her I understood where she was coming from but I also agree with you that her way is not the solution because then nothing changes
0: there's always going to be a few people who are doing the job right and yes you can be one of them but if you are in a position where you can do something to change things from within and not just be there to do the job I think and this is coming from extremely privileged position I think If you want to fight that fight, you should.
1: But if you don't have the strength anymore, nobody should blame you for not having the strength anymore.
0: No, I wasn't upset with her for not having the strength. To me, the problem was that she was trying to stop Amenadiel from doing something. I understand her reasoning, but on emotional level, it just didn't feel okay.
1: So we get a very, very nice levity break with Amenadiel going to Ella in the lab because ella during the entire scene tries so hard to get amenadiel to spill the feathers see what i did there
0: <laughs> oh, that's dumb
1: it was painful in a few of those moments but the hug at the very end when she's not only feeling for wings but also checking for a halo i fucking lost it so this this levity moment was very much appreciated Because this is still a TV show and we still do need a few laughs and breaths in between.
0: I find it fascinating that Amenadiel did not clock any of that. He notices the weird hug. He's obsessed in that moment. He has a very, very different focus. I mean, yes, this is an explanation I can get behind. But also, come on. It was just so obvious. It was hilarious. I loved it so much.
1: I want... To put in one complaint, why did deal not engage Dan for any of this? Dan is a ghost, Dan can go everywhere, Dan could stalk the crime scene to see if anyone comes back without being seen and then report back to him. Dan could actually fucking haunt Raben, the racist asshole cop, and... Amenadiel knows that Dan is bored out of his mind, can't do anything, and is desperately looking for a purpose. And I feel like this would have been something where Amenadiel could have done a good thing for his friend and also helped his own
0: agenda, in a sense. No, that's a very good point, actually. I should write these episodes, right? (laughs) I thought you were gonna say, I should write these down. Hmm. and like, but you are. So in the next scene, we are coming back to the Lucifer and Rory storyline. And we finally get to find out what Lucifer meant when he figured it out at Linda's office and why he called Rory earlier. He is going to recreate every single Christmas for Rory.
1: But the thing is, he's just meshing it all together. It would be different if, let's say, if every day he would have like, okay, so today we're going to have your christmas tomorrow we're going to have halloween because this is what it looks like but instead if you were to go like okay today we're celebrating like the most important christmas which is like your 18th christmas or your 16th christmas or whatever or your sixth christmas because christmas as a child is more important or whatever and then it's your 16th halloween because you're finally not legal to drink i forgot that's not germany You know what I mean, like if he focused on that, but he just goes, okay, these are all the Christmases and the presents don't even make sense. Why would he gift her the young girl bike that is way too small for
0: her? I think he just went, he is giving her a gift equivalent of each year that he missed. However, how many years did he miss? Did he ever ask her how old she is? He doesn't know either, I don't think.
1: I'm not sure. Don't you think that maybe angels are able to see? The age of their siblings and relatives and stuff?
0: I do not know. I don't think that's the case. But maybe they do. Maybe he actually knows how old she is. He should tell us then.
1: Maybe he guessed and he guesses wrong and she's even more pissed about that.
0: Maybe that's why she had the face (laughs) that she had. Oh my god. Seriously, her resting mean face.
1: She is so annoyed at him and she looks gorgeous while being annoyed and I lost my shit every single time we see her face because she's so over it and I'm with her, I'm also over it but damn, she can just keep looking like that and I'm happy. You are obsessed.
0: I mean, fair. There are not many actors out there who I'm that obsessed with, so... I am happy that this show is servicing you so well. Sadly,
1: you have not watched Our Flag Means Death, so I can't make that joke now.
0: <laughs> okay, in this moment, my notes for the first time and not for the last, goes, I think he should actually talk to her instead. So... Uh,
1: Ho Ho No. Oh, Ho Ho No is really nice and could be the perfect alternative title of this episode.
0: Right, yeah, that's actually a really good idea.
1: So... We go over to Chloe's and as disappointed as I am that Amenadiel did not involve Dan in all of this, going to Chloe is a very good choice because she used to be an active detective. She was a very good detective so she is the perfect person to be basically like a sounding board but she also knows with all her experience like with the procedures in
0: place and blah 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 blah, blah so it makes sense. It does make sense. What is not surprising that she has a very different different view at the police force and she's being a little naive if she thinks that this is how it always works for everybody.
1: Actually I found it extremely surprising that she is this naive because her father got murdered by a corruption scandal that was hidden beneath a conspiracy. Her ex strictly speaking, was a corrupt cop. Her ex's partner was a corrupt cop. And oh, let's not forget that her ex-boyfriend was an immortal crime lord posing as a cop for decades, 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 and not being caught. How? How can Chloe, with her life experience, actually honestly say They usually get it right. They usually get it right in the end. Kane was a fucking crime lord for decades. So no. This is my one consistency writing complaint. Given the experience Chloe has, it makes no sense for me that she is this naive. When it comes to the police system.
0: You know what? You're not wrong. And I agree with you. However, I think that every single example that you just listed, all of them got what they deserved in the end.
1: How long is it okay to wait so that they can
0: get it right? That is a whole nother question.
1: I know that Chloe needs to be the naive, blind, white person being apologetic for the shitty system and the bad cops. I understand the reasoning and the necessity for... For the story that we're telling. I still hate it. Honestly, I would have preferred if we had Carol for that.
0: I am curious personally though where this is going to lead. Because this seems to have been so surprising for Chloe that... I think that there's going to be some repercussions and I think that we get that at the very end. So we're going to touch upon that later.
1: I have more complaints there because that makes no narrative sense, but we're going to talk about that when we get there. But first, first we go back on duty and I love every single thing about this scene. As much as I was complaining in the previous scene, this scene is everything. I absolutely lutely love this.
0: My first note, and you have pointed it out in your fans and facts, is on Patricia Belcher. Because this actress, not only she is on Bones, but she is a very prominent character on Bones. She's a very good, she's very strong female character with no-nonsense kind of a person. I love her very, very much. And the fact that she is in this episode, in my opinion, is no coincidence, especially with the amount of talk that we have had about Bones in the past. And especially in the last couple of episodes, I believe it kept being brought up. So I would like to ask just to double check with LD and Joe. If there is a reason that they brought specifically Patricia Belcher onto the show. And if the reason is that she was on Bones. Because fuck that made me so happy.
1: Absolutely. It was so hilarious. Like I read the facts and fun so I knew that okay this is going to be the actress who played on Bones. But even not having watched Bones ever. Loretta as a character was absolutely everything to me. Because she is this noisy, yet sweet and caring neighbor. And I mean, I live in an apartment block that has over... 60 apartments. So, of course, we have the noisy, annoying neighbors and we have the n- noisy, sweet neighbors. You always have one of those somewhere in a community.
0: I love the moment where she says that Kevin brought over strawberries and then we see the strawberries on the plate and fucking Amenadiel doesn't eat them. And I'm like, Amenadiel, eat your fucking strawberries. Maybe he's allergic. He's an angel. We have no powers. He has a power of immortality.
1: That's more like a passive skill, you know? You have an extra and a passive skill tree in your character sheet and he lost his active skill set with the freezing or slowing down time and he unlocked the passive ability of fathering children in exchange for that you know you, he took away the skill <laughs> points and put them in another so in his base abilities we still have immortality <laughs> superhuman strength and stuff like that but those are not skills those are base attributes because of his race Right, races, angels, human, elves. Yes, because of his race, of his character shade.
0: Oh my god. And
1: probably because he changed his class from warrior to patriarch is why he lost the skill points in the
0: active skill tree. Oh god. My face hurts.
1: I feel like I made perfect sense from a D and D and all other pen and paper games.
0: You did make absolute sense. Amazing, thank you. I will keep this as is and needs to be in the episode because <laughs> everybody needs to hear this. You're welcome. Incredible. Now, with that sorted, are you saying that one of his like weaknesses? is that he's allergic to strawberries.
1: Yes, and as exchange, he got the smoldering eyes or something. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything from the top. Oh, he got the shiny head as a exchange for the weakness strawberry. I saw
0: that he got the beloved by old ladies. Oh, yeah, that is good. That is good. Old ladies love him, but sadly, he's allergic to strawberries. Yep, that's it. Sounds about right. Good. Sorted. So, yeah, please, Amenadiel, don't eat the strawberries because you are allergic. This is a canon now.
1: Should we ask DB if we ever see him
0: <laughs>
1: how sad he is that Amenadiel is allergic
0: to strawberries? <laughs> I can see his completely disengaged stare. Like, the fuck are you talking about? I'm going to put this in the question list. <laughs> Good luck with remembering that. I will. No, you know what? I think that we should make it a poll. Oh, yes.
1: Yes, this is the perfect poll for this episode. Great.
0: Now, so with strawberries sorted, I have a uh, complaint. It's a ghost complaint. It's when Dan shows up and then he is sitting next to Amenadio on the chair. The chair is actually moving. I'm like... Come on, guys, you can get a non-moving chair if you insist on Daniel sitting down. Why is
1: he sitting down? It makes no sense.
0: Because he's tired of standing around all day long. I don't know.
1: I was a bit... As a follow-up, basically, with the Chloe being so naive and blah, blah. With Dan, I did not have as much of an issue because he was like, well, I didn't follow up because why would he? He'd filed a complaint. He did his part This is not something at the forefront of his mind. It makes perfect sense that he didn't follow up. But it also makes sense that he had all the time down in hell to think of all the things he didn't do. And that this is something that he was like, fuck, I should have done it. My only tiny, tiny complaint is Dan says something along the lines of like, and this bullshit racism. And I feel like this downplays it a bit. But it fits the character, so I'm... I feel like it's good writing as opposed to the whole Chloe situation.
0: I think my biggest appreciation moment for Dan is that he points out that Emediel should be more careful who he's gonna go after because you never know who the person has in their corner. Because he's aware of all of this. So regardless of the fact that Emediel is immortal and it's not gonna get him killed. But
1: it might get him booted from the force.
0: Exactly, which is something that he really, really, really wanted to do. So it would be a shame for him to lose this opportunity to to do good.
1: We end this scene on a note that I feel is very much in tune with the defunct the police movement because as Loretta put it this is what police work should be the police should be engaging with the community should be in conversation so this is what police should be but police is so busy with doing so many things that should not be on their tally that it's simply not possible and it doesn't get spelled out completely but to me this was a defund the police reference which I very much loved because yes please defund the police and give the money to those groups that can deal with all of the other shit that needs to be dealt with. Because yes, we as societies have the need for many, many, many different organizations, safeguards, helps, support systems, etc., etc. But currently everything is done via the police. And it rarely goes well.
0: I don't have anything else to add on that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> one. Oh, no. No, 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 no.
1: Oh, now you get to talk about the car because that is your thingy.
0: Because the car is so amazing. So we get a song in this scene. It's called Dangerous by give Kills. Love it. The song is also good. And I absolutely love Lucifer's reaction to letting anybody else drive the car because you know what? I absolutely get it. It's such a mood for me. The main reason for that is because I have something of a major value that I have. It's my violin. And over the years that I've had them, people would ask if they could, you know, try to play it a little bit. And you know, you can teach me how to play violin. And I'm always like, no. So for majority of people, I would say, no, you're not touching my violin. Way too expensive, way too good. You can get yourself something cheap and I will teach you on that. However, Every once in a while I I come across somebody who is a musician or usually would know their way around an instrument and how to treat it properly. And I allow them to touch it. And even though I know this object itself is in good hands and I trust those hands, I still get very fucking anxious. So I completely got Lucifer's reactions because it's his decision to put Rory in the car he wants her to be there but also it's the car it's the Fallini car
1: call back to our first episode
0: so basically I completely understand how Lucifer is feeling and uh, I mean Rory doesn't really help it much because she is specifically making sure to show off her skills she
1: loves torturing lucifer which is kind of a fun thing given that he used to rule hell
0: however we get this amazing situation where rory flirts with the woman in the next car with the cougar which is beautiful and of course lucifer's lucidad kicks in and the woman scared obviously drives off non-surprising i'm surprised that she even didn't crash the car right there and then because that must have been like the fuck just happened rory is not impressed rory is very unimpressed and she steps on it and she does the whole thing and she knocks over some bins and she says oops so that's where that scratch came from which tells me one thing only and gets later reconfirmed i did not cock it when i was watching it the first time but this is a beautiful reference to the fact that the car is hers and clearly Lucifer is gonna disappear very soon because he does not have the time to fix that scratch. That is absolutely accurate! I love that. It's so beautifully embedded in it.
1: And the thing is, this is the first moment where we get a hint on Rory's sexuality and in a few scenes later, it simply gets confirmed in an off sentence and Rory is canonically lesbian and I absolutely love it. And I love the... understated way of us learning her sexual orientation
0: mm-hmm. because it's not something that she needs to announce
1: exactly <laughs> it's something that happens on the by, and i was <laughs> of the by, uh and so i very <laughs> much enjoyed that that we have a canonically lesbian character
0: Yay. okay do you have anything else to add to my exhausting description of this scene no
1: i think you covered everything and you explained some things better than i would have so i'm just gonna skip over the bad comments that I had and pretend they never existed. It is time to go back to the serious plotline of this episode and this was where I was starting to get a bit annoyed with Amenadiel because he did all the studying. He must know the technicalities of how all of this works. So he is painted too naive as well for me. Like, oh, I'm gonna bring this to the lieutenant. He knows what corruption is. He has been on Earth long enough. This is not how any Anything works. Not just the police doesn't work like this, but in general, this is not how it works. So I get that we need to paint some things in very clear or stark colors and strokes, But I was a bit like, "Mm, really? Thankfully, this is a very, very short moment because now we get the resolution, in quotation marks. It was very obvious to me that there was going to be a reason as to why Sonia did turn down that detective job. And we get the explanation on this. And I actually really like that explanation. Like, no, they tried to ship me off somewhere else and I decided that I would stay here where I can at least try to do something good. Because this, to me, is the logical step from the initial Sonia interaction that we had, where she's like, no, keep your head down, take care of yourself because she is still trying she is still active and in the next sonya interaction we see more of that because she has the contact she knows who to call she does make a difference it is one person and one day at a time which eh, we're gonna talk about that later but this is a very a very well done scene by scene exploration of what is sonya's approach to the battle and the war as she puts it and I really like how she phrases that as well
0: this is definitely a moment when I after the whole beginning and then Chloe revealing that there was a detective position that Sonia didn't take I was a little bit worried where this is going I knew they were gonna go in a a good direction but I wasn't sure what the, the direction is going to be and this is where my mind and everything was put at ease because the way she kind of submits everything Thing. and when Eminadil tries to bring up Chloe and Chloe's experience she says the one thing where not only she's a legacy there is this one thing different oh yeah she's white and this is something that The two of us will never be able to understand because we've never had this personal experience, the personal encounter, because we both also are white. We have the privilege of saying, let's take a breather from this or not even noticing that something like that is happening around us because it was never done directly to us. And it can never be. We have other issues by the fact that we're women and by the fact that we or you are members of uh, certain communities and, you know, we have our own things. But the color of our skin is never going to be it. But that brings us to the fact that Ryben shows up. And he wants
1: to talk to Amenadiel. And this is where I was worried for a tiny, tiny second if... They were going to lean into the redeemed racist cop is now a good guy. I was worried for like half a second because thankfully it doesn't turn long. But this was my one tiny moment of worry on how they're handling this plotline. Because it was like, oh yeah, and you were absolutely right. And then it was
0: like, oh fuck, now it's even worse than before. I did not believe him for a one fucking second.
1: It was not that I would believe him, but I was worrying that it was gonna go like, oh no, he went through like the sensitivity training and all of that. And he simply learned how to play the game even better for him and even worse for everyone else. And this is what they now lean in because he now makes it worse so much because Michaela is now in so much more danger than she was before because now she is in the focus of the police. And as we soon are going to learn, she's also in the focus of the killer. And so Ames inadvertently made everything so much worse for her. And this is, I feel like, something Sonia was trying to warn him about. You are charging in head first without your brain attached. And you are not aware yet of all the potential implications. So I understand now with this scene even more where she is coming from in the previous scene with the don't engage, watch, wait, because he doesn't have the experience. But also I feel like they make a really good pair because she needs the fresh energy and motivation and and fire. But he needs the experience the tenderness, the technicality, how to handle things, the expertise that she sadly has after I don't know how many decades of doing this shit. So, they they make I'm pretty sure they're going to make a great team and I'm curious if we're going to get more of this team.
0: Yeah, it's something that I've noticed a little bit later on as well. The combination of their characters and energies is really really good.
1: The casting also is amazing. Like the two of them work so well together this was really well done
0: so i have realized one thing and i hope you're not gonna hate me for this
1: i can hate you now and then it's out of the way no sorry
0: i've realized a thing you've already hated me forever and ever i get it it's fine but at this moment, I realized one thing, and that is the fact that Rayben obviously wasn't a detective when Dan was still alive, or when Chloe is still working there. So I feel like the two of them not being at the precinct anymore have opened a position of a detective that may have let him rise through the ranks, and I do not like that one bit. I found that very, very gross. It
1: also explains why Rybin wasn't around earlier. Because you don't need all the detectives at one precinct, but now there was space. You're absolutely right. But now, for me, most importantly, Amenadiel now has even more reason and motivation to find Michaela because he now done fucked up and now he feels even more responsibility than he did before.
0: Yep. Definitely not letting this go. But here we are, back at uh, the lights scene.
1: At the meta-plot, my dear. It's the meta-plot.
0: It's a meta-plot, yeah. So the bullshit that nobody cares about. Oh, wait, wait a second. We care
1: about both. We care
0: about both. One is the
1: meta-plot and one is the real-life storyline. Okay. So now we're going to Lux. And this is your scene to talk about because, spoiler alert, I hate this song with a passion
0: oh yeah i believe that i've heard that mentioned before in about every single conversation that we've ever had about this moment i hate the song choice i hate the performance i hate
1: the placement in the episode so please get us through the scene i will just once in a while comment
0: okay So we, as I said, we get into Deluxe and it seems at the beginning that it's just Lucifer and Rory. And I'm like, yay, they're gonna talk, finally. But no, that's not gonna happen. It feels like he is literally doing anything except talking to her. Which is very Lucifer. Five years ago... That That is
1: one of my main issues with the whole meta plot in this episode. It feels like a regressed Lucifer. He has already become much better than this, I feel.
0: To be fair, this is a very big thing that he's grappling with. So it is kind of understandable that he regresses a little bit. But it's been going on for way too long for that to be, you know... Okay, for me, from my point of view anyway. However, uh, we do get a song in the background when the dancers show up and Mace shows up. It's called Buddy by Emma Kern. And Mace walks in with the Mountain of shot. And she does not seem very impressed. You can see how much she's trying to be supportive and I love that.
1: I love her face throughout the entire scene because she is obviously very skeptical. But she also loves Lucifer a lot. So she is, as you said, trying to be supportive. But she also can see that this is not a good idea.
0: So she immediately tells her, you know what? People say don't mix your alcohol. But we're celestials, so grab whatever you can. They go sit down and they have a brief chat where Maze tells her, I have handpicked this stuff and if you want any of these ladies, let me know. I'll make it happen. And we have that comment from Rory that you mentioned earlier. You know me better than my own father.
1: Canon lesbian, canon lesbian.
0: Maze replies, a man, human or angel, they're just not as evolved as us. And I'm like, preach it, Mace. I love you. And she's not wrong. She's not completely wrong, no. Not all men. Not all men. (laughs) All men. And around that time, we get Lucifer burst into a song. It is, you got it. And for some reason, I did not write down the person who performs the original. I have written it out in a different document. So... Give me three seconds. Uh, uh, Load, load. The problem is that
1: the title You Got It instantly reminds me of the advertisement for the Venus Razor. Oh, baby, you've got it. I'm
0: your Venus. I'm your fire, your desire. Okay, I get it. So You Got It is a song originally by Roy Orbison. However, in this moment, it is sang by Lucifer himself. He has the whole choreography happening. And again, it's super dumb. It's very Lucifer-ish. And I think the the idea behind this is actually really sweet. But he's just really, really shits at realizing these things. The
1: problem is that the idea behind it is still focused on the materialistic shit. And that is why it's wrong. He cannot buy his way out of the hole he is in without any of his doing.
0: And the fact that he doesn't feel comfortable or it doesn't even come to his mind that he could Ask Rory without mojoing her. And she has to tell him, You can just ask me. Obviously, then her response is going to be what it is when she says, I don't want you to be around.
1: The thing is, when you want someone to do something and then you have to spell it out for them, your interest in them actually doing what you want from them goes very, very quickly towards zero. No matter if you are a human teenager, a prepubescent angel, or in your midlife. Class crisis doesn't really matter it's like if you're waiting for someone to get it to finally fucking get it because it feels like it's the most obvious thing that they could fucking do and then you have to spell it out for them then you don't want it then it's then it's done then it's over and so i'm very much with rory because damn i've i've been that i've been that
0: person with now i don't want it anymore fuck off i'm pretty sure we've all been that before at least once i feel like
1: we've even had that with each other
0: oh yeah Yeah, you know for sure so (laughs) so rory storms off and mace i love That she really is trying to be supportive because she knows Lucifer well enough to know that he really is trying and he really wants to make amends. He's just going the wrong way about it. She also sees herself in Rory, so she understands that it's just not right. I think not even Mace at this point is so okay with herself to be able to articulate what Lucifer needs to do regardless she is trying to be their philosopher which is all she can do at this point because you can't really tell him anything and we know that
1: absolutely every little thing you said full agreement the only thing I want to point out did you catch the name of his performers no the morning stars
0: oh that was referring to the name of the perform oh I thought he was talking about himself and Rory the
1: morning stars clap 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 okay.
0: clap. I love that.
1: Exactly. That's what I thought. That's why I wanted to point it out. Thank you. So sadly, that is all the reprieve we get. And we return to our real world storyline. And I got a bit angry with Amenadiel because he is preaching to Sonia in this moment. And that is incredibly arrogant of him. But I didn't even have time to get proper angry with him because she calls him out on it like right away. And I was like, yes, girl. This is what I want to say. It's totally fine if your characters do stupid shit or fuck up or whatever, but it needs to be addressed in the small and in the big way. And so this I very much appreciated because he has a very human reaction because we all feel very high and mighty, especially when we start getting into a new thing. And then we tend to preach to the people and talk very high and mighty down to them. And those are the ones who have been at this for ages and ages and ages. And it's like, dude, what? So, nice. Very much here for it.
0: I agree with that. No, I love that she calls him out and, and immediately puts him back down. But also, I think that she needs to see the passion that Amenadiel is exhibiting. And this is something that you've mentioned already. Their energies, what he brings in with the fresh eyes and the fresh fire that is burning within him and the experience that she has and the contacts that she has. I think her seeing this Passion coming through, leaking out of a That's something that is helping her restart her own passion as well. I think that she herself realizes that she has been settling down for just doing the job. She is still doing the job and she is still helping her community. But she doesn't have the fire within her to try to change anything anymore.
1: She got tired. and Obviously. I know this
0: is not a bad thing. Basically, Amenadiel is her Red Bull. Yes. Yes, exactly. He's gonna give her wings. Literally!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect this show... Or this episode to go this explicit on the police brutality against people of color. That was surprising to me. I did not think that they had it in them. Because when she shares that story of her coming in for career day. And everyone, every single one of the kids being afraid of the uniform. Because that uniform is what killed their mom or their father. It's like, I did not think they would go there. And I think it's very important that they went there because like up to this moment this is all very much like okay yes and we've seen other shows do that like uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine also had an episode that addressed this topic as a whole but this whole like I went in there and people were afraid of me because of the uniform and because of what the uniform means to their life's reality that was a very stark this is what is happening in the real world outside and so I did not expect to go there i was very surprised in a positive way that they did go there she then goes and makes the dodgeball analogy which of course amenadiel has no chance of understanding because he's a dum-dum and he did not ever learn if anything about human culture and idioms or anything which is kind of endearing but also dude read a fucking
0: book please i mean i don't know if there are any books on dodgeball
1: no but i'm pretty sure there are books on like idioms when you learn another language then you have like lists of uh idioms that oh this in that language means and like you should learn shit like that you know
0: yeah and maybe
1: read a few ya novels just to get the hang of the youth and you know
0: Yeah, especially if you want to pass as human. Exactly! It would have been a different if he was just like, I'm an angel and I just live on Earth.
1: Exactly, but he wants to be part of human lives. And so he needs to be more human. Of course, we also get confirmation here that Sonia knows exactly the right people to make a difference, and they know her and they trust her, which means that she has established that trust. She has done this for a long while, and she is good at what she does. So, yay! Team Sonia!
0: Team Sonia, for sure. This speech that she has in the car, it killed me you know and again this is not my experience and i would love to say that it's because i am from a different country but unfortunately i can't say that because even though we have different details of this i very much know people of color or a different background so to me i'm like oh i didn't know any black people growing up because they were just none of them in my hometown. And I've never experienced this from like, you know, police being feared or anything like that. But I know for a fact that if I only go back not that long back, people were terrified for their lives, for the police system that was established in Czechoslovakia. But that was more of a political situation. And now a lot of these people who are have different backgrounds, they still experience that. Maybe not in a way that you're going to get shot on a street for walking, which is something that is happening in America. No, in Germany,
1: you just get burnt to death in a cell while your hands are tied behind your back and then everyone claims you set yourself on fire and... Despite this being literally impossible, nothing ever happens to the people responsible. This is still a thing. This is something that happened in Germany and it happened more than once. And so I get what you're saying. Like in our everyday life, you and me, we are not confronted with this. But this exists in our countries. This exists in Ireland. This exists in Germany. This exists in Czech Republic. This is not an American issue. This is a police issue.
0: The details... Maybe different, but the problems are still rooted.
1: And also, it's not just a police issue. This focuses on the police part of the issue, but racism in general is a worldwide issue. And they just did a study in Germany about the awareness of racism in society. And it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating because you have so much oh yeah, of course I'm against racism, but also maybe they're just way too sensitive. And it is absolutely devastating when you look at these results. And they also, I think one or two years back, did a study with non-white people living in Germany about their experiences with racism. And that was devastating in the other direction because basically every one of the people that took part in the study had experienced racism to a middle to harsh degree and then you look at those two studies and you put them next to each other and then you realize like huh that goes together really really well so this is a societal issue that we need to keep working on And as a white person, we have to be aware of our privilege. We have to be aware of situations that we're in. We need to listen. That is one of the most important things, I feel. Like we need to listen and then we need to act on what we're being told by those people who are actively affected by it. Because it's not enough to just listen and be like, yeah, no, go do shit on your own. No, we need to listen what we are being told would make a difference. And then we need to make that
0: difference. So that is my stance on That. Sorry for the detour. (laughs) There is very, very little to be added to this because you're very much more eloquent than I could ever be on this topic. So uh, thank you. No worries.
1: Also, when someone tells you that you're being racist, you're not getting defensive, but instead you have to listen. Because when someone tells you that you're being racist, they probably have a reason. And the problem is that most people's gut reaction. And I feel like also for me, when I started learning about certain things not just this topic but in general your first gut reaction is like oh I'm better than this and then when you start realizing I- I'm actually not denial is always the first reaction and so the first gut thing is like I can't be that no I'm not and I feel like you need to get over this defensiveness and fucking listen And when someone tells you that you or someone near to you Or a system or a company or whatever Is being racist, is being uh, homophobic Is whatever Fucking pay attention And don't have your first reaction be making excuses finding the but and finding reasons why maybe it's okay because it's not.
0: Yes like denial is a big thing on this because this is exactly where all of that but I can be racist because I have a black friend this is where it's coming from because these people are in such deep denial about their own racism that they are finding excuses for themselves that make it okay for them to behave the way they do and say things that they do.
1: My black friend said it's okay if I say this so it's okay Hey, what? <laughs>
0: No, yeah, exactly. Like, we're going in circles now. But you're right. Regardless of what our experience is with other people, if somebody approaches us and says, hey, you just said something that is not okay and is racist, your first reaction cannot be, but somebody else of color said that's okay. No, your reaction is, for this person, what I said is racist, so I need to think about what I said.
1: Your first reaction can't be, I didn't. Your first reaction should be, let me think about this Exactly. I mean, we were bound to get on a political tangent somehow.
0: Well, let's not call it a political tangent. Let's call it a a human rights tangent.
1: Human rights for me is a political thing because we need politics to enforce it worldwide. That's why I call it political. I get what you're saying. You don't want to reduce it on just
0: a political issue because it's everywhere and everything. And it's something that's touching every single human on this planet regardless of their skin color. Politics kind of also touch upon every single person on this I know I get I get what you're saying yes but I'm with you because like usually it's like oh it's just the political I sh-. don't care about the politics creature shut the
1: fuck up okay so we go into the precinct because we have just learned that Sonia of course knows the right people but Amenadiel also knows the right people so him going oh I might know someone is of course he has Ella and because Ella is the brightest bestest most precious and most beloved human creature that is existing thing in this show everybody owes her favors so she can get shit done on the DL and fucking quick so
0: yay for Ella yes another thing that I appreciate and you've already pointed it out but I didn't write it down until this scene the breather that we get after the super extremely emotionally heavy scene and the monologue and also that the baby just had that probably at least partially ended up in the bonus because it was very very long we now Get Ella being the light and the lightness that is brought to the episode to balance it out and to give us a little bit of a moment before we re ourselves in this specific storyline but also it doesn't take us out because we are still talking about the case and we're still working on it and we get Michaela actually calling Sonia's phone
1: which is such perfect timing of course deliberate and everything but I love it because a minute deal brought us to Ella his talk to person Sonia made sure that Mikaela would have her contact information like it all just like nice
0: yeah and isn't it like normally when you get this situation of like oh if you see them again call me and her twisting it around and saying if you see her again give her my phone number so it is her choice to call it is making it so much better it gives you so much more trust it's such a simple
1: phrasing and it makes a big difference I want to confess, in this scene, at this moment, part of me, because yes, TV shows are escapism. They are, for the most part, meant to give us nice cookie cutter, wrapped up solutions after 30, 45, 50 minutes. And then yay, you go to bed and you're happy. So part of me kind of wanted Deal to basically hulk out. Get out his wings and fix everything and... Rawr. But, of course, rationally, I fully understand that this would go completely against everything this episode is trying to do. And it also amenity is trying to do. But still, there's a tiny part of me who was like, Amenadiel, go Hulk! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So when they get then go to the cemetery, I was so fucking tense. I did not be- and I've seen this before, and I did not remember what exactly happens. I just remembered that they find her. So for the first half of the scene, I was just like, I feel like someone's gonna die, and I really hope it's not gonna be anybody that I like and it was just so fucking tense I could not take it
1: I was so fucking annoyed the second they find Michaela because both of them put their gun away even though on the phone she told them that she's being hunted and right there she tells them that he's out there somewhere and still both of them a seasoned cop I mean I I don't blame Deal because he's a fucking rookie but a fucking seasoned cop like Sonia should not put her gun away in the Full awareness that there is a fucking killer on a loose who's going to try to kill Michaela because she's
0: an eyewitness. And that made me so angry. They knew somebody was there because they heard noise from a different part of the cemetery. It's a cemetery. It's filled with dead people. They're not supposed to be any noise. So
1: yeah, that, that made me really, really angry.
0: And then we have the
1: whole interaction. Of course, Amenadiel is not as careful as he's supposed to be as a human because he's a fucking angel and he's immortal and invulnerable. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. That was exactly what was happening in my head, except I didn't write it down that way. <laughs> I loved that moment when he was like about to get up and like fuck the dude up. I was like fucking gonna kill him and then she looks at sonia looks at him and and he's like oh shit i'm a human now okay i'm hiding and then sonia
1: is like hey you know this is just gonna get worse if you kill a cop and like the spices is around and then the dude just gives himself up i did not see that coming
0: yeah it was very fast it was
1: a bit anticlimactic to me which makes sense because the actual climax is happening now because now the backup actually arrives.
0: Although it's a really good timing because they get him to throw away the weapon and at that moment we hear the sirens so it actually feels like she wasn't really lying.
1: And now backup comes and we have a very seemingly young female cop being completely overwhelmed by the entire situation aiming the weapon at Michaela and then of course Raven shows up and now Amenadiel is basically again in a situation he was in season 4 with Caleb where he tries to step in between, but back then he didn't know what he was doing, he didn't know what was going on, and he didn't have his position that he has now. And now he has a slightly better position, because he's now also a cop. He knows a bit more, mostly because of the fucking day spent with Sonia. (laughs) Not because of anything else. But also, this to me felt that if Raben had pushed it, Amenadiel would have revealed himself as immortal, invulnerable, super powerful. And that would have meant that he would not have been able to continue as a cop. So to me, this moment in the end got the climax it deserved because Amenadiel was willing to risk it all, to put it all out there for this one human. And so this is why I found this satisfying in the end because when the dude just gives himself up, my brain was like, huh? like, this is this is not where we were leading up to. But this moment, the face-to-face between Raven and Amenadiel and the potential of Amenadiel throwing away his entire future as a cop, that paid off to me. And I have absolutely no idea if it's actually deliberate or not, and I was just reading into it. But this is how
0: it felt to me. I did not read everything that you just said, but definitely it makes sense. To me, it was more that... He knew he will survive this. And did you notice that Raven yells out, she has a gun? Just so... He wants the girl dead on the spot so he doesn't have to deal with it. Which is so disgusting. So fucking terrible. I hate it so fucking much.
1: But also so accurate to what happens out there. I mean, there have been so many cases where supposedly someone had a gun and got fucking shot.
0: Like sleeping in their bed.
1: Exactly. Brianna Taylor.
0: Ugh. So angry. But I think that eminadil realized that the only way Michaela is gonna get out of this alive is that if he puts himself in the position, because if he's standing there, he knows he's not gonna die. That's one thing. Another thing is he knows that if anybody shoots him, it's gonna be a problem for them. If it was just Raben and eminadil it would be a different story. He would probably have shot aims but because there were so many other people he had to stand down because he couldn't justify shooting a cop that is standing there with his hands above his head there's like too many witnesses for that
1: it still was a risk for amenadiel and if he gets shot this close it's very obvious that he doesn't bleed
0: and that's a problem for sure it definitely smelled of amenadiel potentially being exposed as a divine being but now we have both of the people in custody and they put Michaela in
1: handcuffs. And that is so painful to watch.
0: They don't put her in handcuffs as they
1: drive her over. We see her being taken out of handcuffs later. So someone has to have put her into handcuffs at some point.
0: And the only reason that they take her out of the handcuffs is the work that deal did on the case before that actually all happened. So no innocent until proven guilty as this is supposed to be in america in general <laughs> apparently if you are the wrong color apparently it's the other way around which is also very real
1: we transition over into the precinct where we see her being taken out of the handcuffs and everything and then a and you will have this conversation she's like well it's your work that made sure that she gets to walk away from this and everything and you made a difference and we do it one person at a time and It's a shitty comparison, but it's the only one that I can think of. This is like corporations telling people to not use plastic straws to fix the ocean. It's like, no. Yes, please, still don't use plastic straws because they suck, but to fix climate change and the oceans and nature and everything, it's not one day at a time we do it. No, we need to change the base problems. We need to affect systematic change. And the same, I feel, is the case here. It's like, Of course, to the one person that got saved, it is a world of difference. But in a whole, it didn't change anything. And to have actual change, you can't focus on the day-to-day you need to because for the systemic change. And so we'll see where this is going because now we go into this weird montage thingy that has a song. So you need to tell us what the song
0: is. We transition into the penthouse and we see Rory sitting in front of... Of Lucifer's piano.
1: With a back to it. I felt that was very nice imagery. That while she is sitting on a piano
0: chair. She is facing away from the piano. Exactly. And she's strumming the guitar. As Lucifer walks in. And he realizes what she's singing. Sits down and joins on a piano. What turns out to be. One of the most emotional duets. Yet another one. Because we haven't had enough. (laughs) Is Bridge Over Troubled Water, that is originally written by Simon and Garfunkel. Or written by Simon, sang by Garfunkel. If you want to know more details and some fun facts about the song and how important it was to our history, you need to go to My Devils in the Music because this is the song that I'm covering there. But... I really need them to release this song.
1: This is one of the best. It's so beautiful.
0: And her voice, Brianna's voice, is so beautiful as well.
1: I was about to say, they resonate so well together. And I'm curious if that was like part of the casting for Rory. If they made sure, A, that whoever plays Rory also can sing. But also, if they can sing, that they vibe and match well with Tom Ellis's voice. Because the two of them match really well. They start singing, but we don't stay with them with the camera, but instead we get the montage. And I have an issue with all the non-black people looking so crestfallen on. They're just like, so, oh, that is not the first time something like this has happened in the precinct. Seriously, don't act like none of them, especially Dan and Ella, who are both of Latino descent. I don't know their entire family within the the show. But you guys probably also have experienced racism. So don't look on like this is something you have never witnessed before. So I was pretty annoyed by that because it continues the naive non-black cop that is not aware of what is happening that they have started with Chloe in the scene I was complaining so much about. And like I said, this is my one complaint. That I have. And now we're gonna go to the one shot that I don't understand. And that is Chloe, for some reason, is at the precinct. And somehow she has access to a lot of personnel files. And it is not that long ago where she did not have any access. So why does she have the access now? It makes no sense. She was a legacy when they were
0: looking for Carol's file. I don't think that she wanted to go an open way. I think she wanted to be aggressive and break things. I hated the ending for completely different reasons. My different reason for that was that it made a lot of water coming out of my eyes and I did not like that. Evil emotions forcing their way out of your eye sockets. Gross. This is definitely the first time that Rory and Lucifer actually connect. And it's the first time this season that this evil water was coming out of my eyes. And it is unfortunately not the last time, if I remember correctly. I love that the first time the two of them
1: are connecting is when they're literally not talking for the first time. There has been so much Talking and talking and talking at each other instead of with each other. And there has been so much talking without listening. And this is why I love it so much that they're not talking even when the song is over and they're just sitting next to each other and the camera goes away you can see that they're still not talking they're just sitting there and smiling
0: exactly because they just talked through music it's so beautiful it's so well done why do they do this shit so well and then they fuck up the other shit well don't fight me on it i don't disagree with you why can not I have a hundred percent and only 95 screw them <laughs> okay we're gonna put <laughs> evil lena back into a box i don't fit into a box <laughs> Maybe in the stripper box. (laughs) And I'm gonna start talking about what I actually thought about this episode. Because it is a lot. Somewhat, I have enjoyed Lucifer's storyline. Mainly, though, it's because of the last moment in the penthouse. I adored that we had the king of the lab, Ella herself, back to save everybody's bacon again. I even enjoyed the brief time we had Linda around and super appreciated Mays being a good friend Lucifer because that was just touching my heart and it was beautiful. But the main star of this episode was Aminadiel and his storyline. So from my point of view, it was very well written and it really well pictured what is a huge problem, not just in America. And we have talked about this in detail. It is not our place to be talking for other people, but we have shared our point of views. But of course, I really hope that this is not like a one-time thing where they touch upon this and go really well about it and then they're gonna forget that this ever happened and then just going to focus on something else. But I don't think that is going to be the case because we did have the aftermath, Chloe, studying the personnel files. As stretched as that is, this is giving me the idea and the hope that they will take this storyline somewhere. That it's not just going to be, look, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, but not actually doing anything with it and then leave it behind and finish their normal meta plot, but it's actually gonna lead somewhere because please hurt me more make me think about difficult topics because we all need to do that Especially us, because it's not ever present in our lives.
1: Well put. I'm gonna be extremely short because I feel like pretty much everything got covered throughout the episode itself. So for the Lucy Rory part, I'm glad that we have some some tiny evolution part there. So maybe in the last four episodes, we actually have a chance to get a proper resolve for this relationship issue. Music, second song was amazing, first song horrifying. I'm good. Fifty fifty, could be worse. As for the rest, Ella being the fucking genius that she is and ruling everything was beautiful to have her back. It was nice to see Mace, but again, no Eve, which not a fan. I get it. We can't have the entire cast all the time. But I miss our characters that we're not seeing like Trixie and like Eve. The Dan Ghost shenanigans. I have made extremely clear how annoying I find them and how severely underused the potential that would be there is. So I kind of do hope that we finally resolve this in the near future. Because as much as I love Dan, Ghost Dan is getting on my nerves. And so we'll see where that goes. As for the racism, police brutality, Black Lives Matter storyline, like you said, there needs to be a follow-up, basically. This can't be it. And as positive as D.B. Woodside spoke about it in an interview, if you want to know more, link is in my notes and also it's mostly what I do in my Devils in the Details, I would be very surprised if this is all that they do with this. My one big worry, because of how Chloe is framed, like picture-wise framed, she is standing over this desk, she's looking very tall, she has access to all these files, is the white savior. It's okay. There is a problem for people of color, for black cops, for black people in the community, come in the white savior to fix it. That is my big worry and I hope they don't do it as tone deaf as it has been done in other movies, so we'll see where it goes and if it even goes anywhere. We'll see, but so far usually the writing team of Lucifer has not disappointed me, even when I was worried and even when I sometimes have reason to complain at length about certain things in the episode that probably all landed in the bonus so thank vero because she spared you my ranting and my monologuing and with this we say thank you for listening Please find us on our various social media, we love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com.
0: If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes hours.
1: If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews.
0: They really do help.
1: Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you.
0: you! Bye! Bye.